Welcome to the Good Divorce Show. Not every divorce needs to end in disaster. It's time to see divorce in another perspective. Here to help with that is your host, Karen McNinney. Hello, thank you so much for joining me today. I am Karen McNinney, your Good Divorce Coach, chatting with Montana neighbor, Brandon Rourke Kyrus, who has worked in the mental health field for over 21 years. Uh, she's a licensed clinical mental health therapist for children, teens, young adults, parents, and families, also trained as a mediator and accredited as a mental health neutral professional in the collaborative divorce process. She co-founded Parent Team uh, with friend and colleague Jen Shimbeno, and they really saw together that there was a gap in support for families trying to adjust to the changes of divorce and separation. All of that work and history has led Brandon to do workshops and present nationally on collaborative divorce, co-parenting, and attachment and trauma impacts on children from divorce and parent conflict. Please welcome from Bozeman, Montana, Brandon Work Kyrus. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be on the show. Thank you. Yeah, we appreciate your time and your insight. I want to start with something we have not yet talked about on the Good Divorce Show, and that is the idea of sort of the traumatic experience of divorce on children, and that in in your opinion and assessment, along with other professionals, that it is considered part of an ACEs experience. So let's go back and do a little education on what ACE is and how divorce falls into that spectrum of life experiences. Yeah. Thank you so much for bringing that up. I think it's just such an important factor. And oftentimes I have parents or even colleagues who have experienced divorce themselves and they're taking a training or workshop from me say, oh no, I'm walking through a divorce. Am I going to mess up my kids? Is this going to be a trauma? And I say, well, no, but it is important to have some of that psychoeducation and understand that an ACE, an adverse childhood experience, when we look at the categories within household dysfunction, divorce is on there. Mm-hmm. So people often ask, well, why? Why is it on there? And when children experience a really stressed parent, uh, you know, a parent who's really struggling, let's say, with addiction or with mental health challenges or just the preoccupation that goes on in our brains, the anxiety, the depression, the adjustment disorder, it goes on in our brains when we're experiencing divorce, kind of, I call it the divorce fog. Children can experience that, not will, but they can experience that as a trauma, as a traumatic event. Their family is changing. Sometimes their connection to their primary caregiver you know, they go from seeing every, both parents, you know, every single day to maybe they're switched. I just talked with a colleague where they had a two-year-old put onto a week on week off schedule. Well, now I'm, I, when we look through an attachment lens, right. And we look through those first three years of a child's life, we've really got to be aware of the decisions that we're making in terms of attachment and trauma for children through divorce and adjustment. A child's stress response system is activated over and over and over. And that is where we can look at that through that traumatic lens and Mm -hmm. as a trauma. You just talked about attachment specifically and attachment styles when they get hardwired in our life and how that can be shifted through divorce. Would you expand a little bit more on the education around attachment and why we should be paying attention to this as divorced families? Yeah, I mean, it starts 
and there's a lot of data now that it starts in the womb, right? Where we've got sort of that prenatal development and the stress of mothers and how they're doing and really looking at maternal mental health all the way through birth and, and looking at how we connect. And it doesn't just mean bonding, but true attachment is if I'm a baby and I'm crying and you come to me and you pick me up and you soothe me and you connect with me, you hold me, you feed me, you change my diaper. These are all those ability, you know, my ability to connect and attach to you. And, and sort of the, the message I like to tell parents is, I've, you know, you're saying as a parent, I've got you, I see you, I'm here, I'm taking care of your needs. You cry, I feed you. You cry, I change you. I pick you up and I connect with you. Don't, you know, when we look at kind of those first years of our lives, that is that constant of parenting. We're attending to their needs. And that is starting to create those neural connections in our brain. And, and through, so if we experience a parent who is really struggling with depression, okay, and they're not able to get up and they're not able to attend to me when I'm crying every time, then that starts to change that neuroconnection about my needs and desires. And maybe I have to start self-soothing. Well, if I'm six months old, a year and a half old, I really need my parent to help soothe me. So when we look at attachment, it's, you know, then we look at kind of those anxious avoidant, anxious, like avoid all those preoccupied, all of the different, and we could go on for forever for sure. But when we look at those different attachment styles, those come from those early, early times. When we look at divorce, we really want to make sure we hold families in this really sacred space and look through that lens of, do we put a two-year-old on a week-on, week-off schedule? No, we don't because they need that constant sort of, kids are out of sight, out of mind. And we really want to make sure that children have a connection, right, with each of their parents. But where is that you know, time and connection, soothing those needs and making sure we're taking care of parents too. If they're experiencing heightened levels of anxiety, depression, um, just that adjustment, addiction and substance dependency challenges, we've got to make sure we take care of parental mental health as well. I have certainly found as a society and a survivor of divorce that it can be a really isolating and shame-filled experience. Absolutely. And it is a personal drama. It is a death experience. And I always think if if my spouse had died, people would be rallying around me and bringing me casserole every other day. But because there's a divorce, it sort of seeps back into this shadow world within our culture. Do you find that to also be true? Yes, I'm so glad you brought that up because there is a really fascinating study. There's some research that shows the changes that happen in the brain through grief from loss like death or loss through divorce, right? The loss of a relationship or even like the loss of a best friend, right? That grief, that changing relationship is the same. Mm. So our brain neurologically, the way it's experiencing it is the same. Of when we lose someone through the loss of through death. And I know in my own divorce, I, I that's what I needed. I needed support. I needed help. I had moved to Alaska in the middle of like a dark winter. What was I doing? I don't know. But I needed that comfort and that support. 
And there were some people in my life that gave me that, like a couple friends came out of the woodwork and really held me up. But I got a lot of judgment, a lot of shaming and a lot of disconnect, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of abandonment. Like, I Mm -hmm. can't believe you would do this. We love you both and, and, and abandonment. And so it, it can also be a trauma big T for the adult, not just the children. That's right. Holding space for that whole family system, I think is so important. Mm -hmm. And when you use this language, family system, give us a little breakdown on when you say family system, what that means and how we should be paying attention to that through the divorce process. Yeah, absolutely. I think that comes, you know, for, like you said, over 20 years, I have worked in children's mental health. Well, when you work with a child and you're a child therapist, you are not just working with a child. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. With adults, hopefully most therapists have a family systems background where they can look at, even if I have a mom in front of me or a dad in front of me, I see them within the framework of their system, which is you know, maybe their partner, maybe their children, maybe their parent, all of those. I think it's very natural for me because I've always worked within family and children's mental health, that when I have a child in front of me, I see them with their siblings. I see them within the system of their parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles, best friends. So I see them within this whole system of which they live and they need me as their support and advocate to support that system. Right. Even if I'll just say, like, I have a lot of kids where one of their parents is a jerk and it's kind of hard. Right. Mm-hmm. They're, they're kind of rough on me too, as, a, as their child's therapist, because maybe yeah. there's something they want done in the legal world or whatever. But I still need to support that child's relationship, however, they want to lead that with that other parent or a grandparent or a sibling, because that's their system of which they live. So helping them with skills and strategies and tools to work on that relationship. I have come across this in my work, and I'm sure you have as well, where the good intended, what I call the galaxy around the two people getting divorced, like there's all these spinning planets and constellations, they can get involved and it is not always helpful. You refer to this as the shadow figures. (laughs) Yes. What have you seen and what advice um, and even cautionary tale might you share with us? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we definitely have a group with my colleagues, you know, who do collaborative work and even within the co-parenting world, which is shadow figures. And they are oftentimes well-meaning people. They might be a sister or brother, an aunt or an uncle, a, even like an in-law or a parent, a best friend, the next door neighbor. You know, I had a case before where we had agreements, both parents were on board, both individuals were on board through the collaborative process. We were just coming back to review and the in, one individual walked in and was like, I'm not okay with this anymore. And we had spent hours or six hours on these agreements, making sure they were okay. You have got a mental health person, a financial neutral, their, their attorney, and we were all very caught off guard. And when I broke out with that person, did kind of a, a, a one-on-one session, what I learned was their neighbor was a financial professional. And when they were talking through the financial decisions that they had made in their divorce, the financial professional who was well-meaning 
totally unraveled everything. It was like, no, you need to get more. This isn't da, 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 da. But the challenge with those shadow figures is they're not in the room with us. They That's don't right. understand this process. And oftentimes if no one understands what collaborative is, they know that it's not about a fight. We're all in the room together. We are working on this together, problem solving, tons of support and intervention. So their framework might be from litigation. And the movies or the TV show. Yes, they just the media, right? Let's fight. And that it's a fight. It yes. And, you know, when we're walking through a process, the, the lawyers that I work with know me so well now after years and years, they'll say, Brandon, talk about the wolves. And, and I frame it for individuals, too, to be very aware when you're walking through divorce, it is a very vulnerable time. And sometimes... I say the wolves come to feast and it's a very explicit visual, but they come to feast. They feast on the drama. They feast on your private information. And if they're parents, I remind them, your children don't need to be part of that feast and you don't need to be part of that feast. So protect your private information. Be very mindful about who you share the details of your divorce with because mm -hmm. it is sacred. And this is your family. It is not to be dramatized. You know, yeah, we look at our media, right? And it's not okay, especially in small towns. We have to be right. careful. Where people, again, let's give them the benefit of the doubt, well-intended. But I think a lot of folks don't understand really the good divorce process that I walk couples through the collaborative divorce process, which is really, you know, the opposite <laughs> it's opposite right. world. And right. this is part of the work even here on the good divorce show of changing the na narrative and remembering that the, the family lives on beyond the divorce experience. So what do we do to protect it? And just as a reminder for our listeners, um, about the collaborative divorce process. Give us the the core tenets of that and what people could expect if they were to say yes to a collaborative divorce process. Collaborative divorce is really built on dignity, privacy, and a willingness to find a third way. You have your way, I have my way, and we're willing to go, okay, with support and guidance and a lot of education from all these professionals we're going to try to find a third way of doing things because otherwise we're just going to fight and mm -hmm. one of us will win. And when one of us wins, our family loses. That's so right. It's really built around. You have two collaboratively trained and practicing attorneys. They're trained very differently than the training they get as a litigator. Sometimes. And a lot of times I have a lot of litigators who are coming over to collaborative, which is beautiful. They're like, I'm done. This is yes. the way to do it. I see a lot of lawyers in the They're divorce so coaching nice. training too. They're like, we're tired of being in the courtroom fighting over these yes. families and seeing these people. We want a different practitioners. Professionals yes. are looking for a different path, which is beautiful. Absolutely. And the beauty of, so you have those lawyers and then you have these two neutrals. You have a financial neutral and you have my role, which is the mental health neutral, which kind of facilitates and mediates the whole process. I also help and guide parents in their parenting plans. So I'm trained in writing parenting plans. You have one fifth sort of, so there's the four core tenants. And then you have a fifth role, which is very important, which is the child specialist. And that person is a licensed therapist who works with children and families. And their role is to gather the voice of the children. And then to be able to share that with me as the parenting plan guide and the parents. So children have a voice, but they don't have a vote. 
Mm-hmm. And so that's really important. Um, and so their role, and we have, we're fortunate enough to have a trained child specialist here in Bozeman. Her name is Jasmine Van Antwerp, and she's absolutely incredible. Her work is phenomenal and so needed. Um, it's similar to maybe like within the court system, they have guardian ad litems. Um, but because collaborative is out of the court system, it's a legal process. It's a full, like step-by-step legal process that's, you know, a judge signs off on but it's private. It's not a public, Mm -hmm. you don't have to go to court. You never have to step in front of a judge. In fact, it's my understanding that if you agree to the collaborative divorce process, you are agreeing that you will not go to court. Absolutely. If at some point one or both of the parties cannot find that third way, that middle path, and they decide they want to jump ship into a a litigated journey, then everyone leaves all that team, all those lawyers and you're, and you are at a start over. And I've asked, I, or I've had parents ask me, you know, parents who are litigating and they hear about the services I provide, which is all child lens, child centric, family centric. Let's get you through this. Cause you do, you have, you are, you are a family. It just looks different. You're a two home family. And they've asked me, they're in litigation to write a parenting plan for them or help them. And I have learned the hard way that that is extremely difficult um, to go fight in court um, and then come into my office and try to collaborate together. So the full process of collaborative or what I call kind of gentle mediation um, is a better fit. Oh, it's wonderful. Gentle mediation. Well, let's simmer on that idea while we head into our first break. Chatting today with Brandon Rourke, Kyrus. Um, out of Bozeman, Montana. And we will, when we return, hear about the tractor incident, as well as the parent team resources that are available. So please stay tuned. Follow Voice America at facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Gear up for a summer explosion this week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav as the boys will relive an incredible water buffalo hunt in Argentina with Kurt Wells of Bowhunter Magazine. Then they'll tackle prep for early season whitetails with Tom McMillan from McMillan. And Mitch Petrie will give us an on-the-water field report. The Revolution is presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Saturdays at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to The Good Divorce Show with Karen McNinney. Have a question for Karen or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. 
Now, back to the show with Karen. Welcome back. Thanks for hanging in there with me today. We are having a really valuable, relevant conversation with Brandon Work Kyrus out of Bozeman, Montana. Uh, more than 20 years working as a licensed clinical mental health therapist with children, young adults, families, and is also a mental health neutral professional in the collaborative divorce process as well as a collaborator in the parenting team and has built some beautiful curriculum to help families walk through what otherwise can be a really daunting process. Welcome back to the show, Brandon. Thank you so much. Yeah, really grateful to have your expertise. I just want to tee you up by asking you about the great tractor incident. I I believe this is going to be a cautionary tale for many of our listeners. Yeah. And I, you know, when I do trainings and workshops, I like to share, of course, I protect the privacy and confidentiality of all of my families and individuals and change details and things like that. So I want everyone to know that. Um, But I do think that examples are important to share because the lens we look through can really, you know, lead us to how we're helping as um, professionals. And then also, if you're a parent or an individual experiencing divorce, it's like, just taking this moment to sort of pause. And, you know, I was in a case and the individuals were, you know, honey and sweetie and very amicable and kind. And then, you know, then they start bringing up this, this um, sort of like, well, when you did that the other day and we were out on the ranch and da da I said, okay, pause. Like, can you share a little bit more? Cause I could tell whatever was going on and they were stirring this up was getting in the way of them being able to problem solve and um, reality test within collaborative and, and make agreements. Well, when we unwound it a little bit, you know, they had shared that one of them had chased the other one down with a tractor to try to run them over. Oh my heavens. And yeah. And just being able to sit in that moment as a professional team. So there's four professionals in the room and just being able to sit in that and sort of try to go, okay, where do we go next? And of course the lawyers <laughs> look at me because I'm the mental health person. When you're in mental health, you're, you're used to, and you're comfortable in the discomfort of life. Um, so it was really, you know, I, I pulled the two individuals out and we were able to talk through that, but it was really incongruent when I looked at honey and sweetie and being really kind and putting their hand on the shoulder. And then I wanted to kill you, right? I was so angry in that moment. So angry. Yeah. And, you know, but the lens I look through is, okay, we have these heightened emotions. And, you know, I think in our society and in media, we we immediately would like frame that person within a mental health framework, right? They're crazy. They're borderline. They're this, they're that. And we love to label things in our society. And the lens I was looking through is, whoa, what's the support and the tool that we need here, right? And dialectical behavioral therapy, so developed by Marsha Linehan out of Seattle, is it, it really centers on this skill called the wise mind. And understanding, like if you have a Venn diagram, over here is our emotional mind. And over here is our rational mind and our reasonable mind. And when we can combine the two, we have our wise mind. Well, in all of my cases, I do that education way up front. So I had already taught this individual about finding your wise mind. And that as a team is when we're going to ask you to make decisions. I'm not going to ask you to make decisions when you're in your emotional mind. Yes. So when this happened and it blew up in, it, it, and then it blew up in our office, 
and the individual was experiencing a panic attack and it was really just, you know, difficult. I was able to coach them and say, right now you're, because they were like, they're not getting any parenting time. I want all the money. I'm not, my flexibility is out the window, Brandon. I am done. You're in your emotional mind, right? And we're just going to sit here. I'm going to support you. We're going to cope together Mm. and we're going to pause and we're going to come back in two weeks, right? Or in a week or whatever we need when we're in our wise mind. And because I had done that education way up front, they were able to go, oh yeah, you're totally right. I want them to hurt because I'm hurt and I'm in my emotional mind. So there's where like using a lot of therapeutic tools are so beautiful as an intervention within collaborative and divorce and all of that. And this idea that we're educating our clients on tools, which, oh, I wish everyone just got these tools way, way upstream, like early in school and education and before we're even selecting our partners. But nonetheless, here we are downriver, picking some people out, giving them some tools. Yes. And and this idea of anger, I would you mind digging a little bit deeper about you know, I see couples and they're in their anger and I remind them you're still super engaged because the brain is probably, it's deep passion and it's deep anger. It's still a way to engage. And this goal, as I've heard it said, is to become indifferent towards your partner Mm. and that the triggers start to release and that we don't get that emotional hijacking. Are there tools or thoughts that you have seen with couples when they're still in that kind of enraged engagement that's no longer serving them. Yeah. I mean, I think the wise mind, right. Definitely helping them identify that what is underneath that anger. Anger is such a functional emotion, right? Anger is, I I actually prefer (laughs) anger in front of me with helping clients versus like complete disengagement, because that is so difficult, right? If I can't get them to even emote in any way, Mm-hmm. I can work with the anger and understanding where that anger is coming from. And in my experience, especially within divorce, that anger is coming from fear. And Absolutely. That anger is saying something is not right. So we see in collaborative and divorce, we see a lot of, you know, affairs. Let's use that as an example. Okay. Um, a lot of affairs and there is so much anger, right. On both sides and it shows up different, often it's repressed anger um, over years and years. And maybe that individual has an affair. And then when the, the other partner finds out about that affair, they're enraged. I mean, I have seen so much rage come out in my office and just opening space for that, allowing them to have that space for that is so important. Yeah. So better I out just, than in. Yes. And just allowing them to process that, but not in front of their children. Yes. Right. And, and when is it appropriate? So I do uncoupling sessions, right? So within the collaborative process, that might be some work with an individual and helping them in that framework. And then also together, we have what I call a closure session. There's a lot of stuff people want to say to each other, but we're going to do that in a framework that's about you and your experience and your feelings versus I'm going to use this venue to attack you and tell Mm. you everything you did wrong. So you're actually doing 
a, a, a ritual or a marking that this is the end of the relationship you knew previously. And we're going to start what I call the renovation yes. of a new relationship, um, either with or without kids, but particularly when you still have the business of raising children together, which does not end at 18 or 25. Right. There's going to be grandchildren. There's going to be weddings, graduations, funerals. And this, this person is now part of your galaxy forever. Your right. DNA is entangled and that there's no reason to flush that down the toilet. We can actually preserve right. the family in this process and delight in those future moments together. But sometimes I think people don't even know that's an option. Or it seems so like, how could we ever get there? Right. It's like, it's relationship rehab. It's outpatient mm-hmm. rehab. <laughs> and I heard a colleague say that and I was like, that's so perfect. And yeah. It, you know, in our work that we do at parenting, one of our modules within our course in our workbook is the parent, the parent brain and that partner brain or spouse brain, right? And and getting that's the work that we're doing is shifting from that spouse brain and all the stuff and all the marital dynamics and all of those cycles that we got in. And when I do co-parent work, we identify that cycle and then we've got to own it, own our part. And, and name it. And then we've got to rework that cycle. So it doesn't show up in your co-parenting relationship because mm. your kids, your kids just need you to have your parent hat on. You guys aren't partnered anymore. You're not in a marriage anymore. And so your partner's not responsible for your emotional needs anymore. Mm-hmm. So we've got to rework that framework. And without that intervention, I mean, we see it, right? We see, Hey, Brandon, we've, we got divorced six years, eight years ago, and we're still in litigation fighting about things. Oh, just didn't, heartbreaking. They didn't have the support they needed. Yeah. They didn't have the work. Time. They didn't know how to manage it. Yeah. Talking about the children and not exposing them, you know, to those heated moments. And we always talk about protect the children, but don't put them in the middle, et cetera. But it is something that occurs consciously or unconsciously. And you actually reference it as, as the backpack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell us more about how this shows up and how we can prevent it. I have parents imagine that their child, you know, if they're little, they have a backpack on and they're running through the playground and they're flipping upside down on the toys out there. If they're a teenager, they have their backpack on and they're meeting their friends for lunch and there's nothing in their backpack, right? It's light, it's free, they can move and do what they want. Well, Then I want parents to imagine the things our kids are going through, right? There's some social stuff. My best friend doesn't like me. I had a breakup. There's drama with my friends. I'm struggling in math class. Very typical things that we would expect through childhood and through adolescence. That's like putting some sand in their backpack, okay? So we've got some sand. Now, if you have a child who experiences, you know, a clinical level of anxiety or depression or adjustment disorder or bipolar we're going to add some more sand, right? Those are complexities and things that they carry with them in their backpack. Well, what happens for children when their parents put down the other parent or say unkind words about the other parent, and when there is heightened level and intense conflict between parents, which is the number one thing in an ACE, an adverse childhood experience that affects children in divorce is ongoing parental conflict. Mm -hmm. So when that ongoing parental conflict is occurring, that is like putting boulders and rocks and stones in your child's backpack. 
Mm-hmm. And that weighs them down with the adult complexity of their world. And they do not need to carry those things. When you say, oh, your mom didn't pay for the field trip. Fine. I'll pay for it. I pay for everything. Right. Your child it, does not need to know that. And it's so subtle, it's but subtle. insidious. And, and <laughs> sometimes we find ourselves, and I've been guilty of it. I got to own it. I'm 12 years into divorce yes. and there are days when I just say the wrong thing and I have to yes. find a repair and, and try to neutralize that. And we are always reminded our child sees themselves as a part of both parents. So when we speak poorly about one, when we're judgmental or shaming, part of that attaches. It's like the little stickies what that does it say up- about me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we all are going to have strong emotions about our former spouse or even our current spouse. And the discipline is to appropriately find the environment in which to unleash that and release some of that Mm -hmm. irritation, frustration, concern, fear, but not your children. It is not their burden to carry at all. No. And they carry that backpack around. And I've worked with kids. I've worked for so long now that now they're adults and they're young adults. And then they're maybe they're in their mid twenties and kids do come around and they do see mm-hmm. like which parent continue to put down the other parent. I have so many adults and whether they're friends or their colleagues who experienced, you know, divorce when they were a child. And now they're like, I just wish my mom, I wish my dad never, you know, quit putting me in the middle and putting mm-hmm. down the other parent. Cause kids, they do come around. Um, yeah. And that's not a threat, but that's just the reality is just hold that sacred ground because that children have a right to access both of their parents in absolutely in the way that they need and the way they need to love them outside of cases of abuse and neglect, right? That's another area, but. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of the day, they will write the story. And as their brain matures and they move into relationships, um, they're going to see it. They're going to see it with a new lens. And there's some wonderful interviews for those of you who are new to The Good Divorce Show with adult children of divorce who have wonderful things to say about how their children did it right or how their parents um, did it right on their behalf. And that really is the goal. Now, this backpack that you speak about is actually an exercise that you have available through the curriculum, the workbook, and the online course that you've developed um, as part of the parenting team. And we want to hear more about what is in that curriculum, how to use it, how to access it. So when we come back from the break, we're going to dive um, directly in with Brandon Work Kyrus as we look at the keeping your kids out of the middle um, parenting curriculum and how that might be of benefit to you in your own journey. So stay with us, listeners. Want to see what Voice America is up to behind the scenes? Follow us on TikTok at Voice America Talk Radio. Before you call the lawyer, call the good divorce coach. Give your family the gift of working with a certified divorce coach, a co-parenting specialist, and a mediator. Karen McNinney has the knowledge and skills to guide you through the full divorce journey, before, during, and after. 
It's one thing to get divorced. It's another to be divorced. The Good Divorce Coach will teach you and your partner how to be divorced with less drama, less destruction, and less debt. Visit thegooddivorcecoach.com to get in touch with Karen. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on voiceamerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to The Good Divorce Show with Karen McNinney. Have a question for Karen or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now, back to the show with Karen. Welcome back. We are chatting today with Brandon Work, Iris, mental health professional, uh, helping couples succeed on the other side of divorce. So thanks for staying with us. We want to hear a little bit about what I see is pioneering work in the field of divorce around the parent team curriculum and what you and Jen have created and how it can help other couples. Take us back to the genesis moment of where this idea started, how you pushed it out, and how people can find it now. Thanks for asking. I think it's it's neat for me to even think back like, oh yeah, or I'll find my old notes or Jen and I's old notes about creating this thing. And then now it is so a thing. Yeah. A thing. Um, you know, Jen and I met through collaborative divorce process. I was the mental health neutral and had been practicing for, I think almost a decade within collaborative. And we had lost one of our amazing, um, she moved on to a different career, uh, financial neutrals. And this woman came in named Jen and, she, we immediately kicked it off. We have nicknames for each other. She calls me snack pack because I always have snacks with me. Um, just a kindred spirit and a deep, deep desire to help families. And we were walking through collaborative and we're like, gosh, there's just, we would research like where to send parents for a co-parenting course or what to do. And we had this vision of what we were seeing our families experience and an intervent like an intervening moment through collaborative and early stages of divorce and and post divorce as well but a need that was there and what we found and it's not to say that other programs are incredible but what we found was it was a lot of outdated information um it was like you know clip art and not interesting to look at or engage with. And the other piece was we got this feedback from a lot of parents that it was shame filled. Mm. It was scare filled, right? So it was like, we're going to make you feel fear about screwing up your kids. We're going to, we're going to fill you with shame. And Jen and I's, you know, we really stand firm on a compassionate and clear lens. So I'm going to talk with you really transparently and I'm going to teach you um, and guide you with clarity, but it is filled with compassion because of, I, I mean, I've been through a divorce. I get it. You need compassion, you need comfort, and you need clear guidance mm-hmm. because we're in that fog. 
So Jen and I sat down and we started creating these templates for just kind of an outline of what do we want to do? And I will say that we stand on the shoulders of giants. Um, one of the Linda Solomon is one of the first mental health practitioners within the collaborative like movement of divorce. She was in Texas. Now she lives in um, North Carolina and she was my mentor from day one. I found out like, who's the best in this field. I called her and she guided me through every case. I still have a call with her on Monday. I would not be here without her. So we, Jen and I sat down with her and she's it. She, you know, we credit her in our workbook. She really helped guide us. Karen Bonnell is also a mentor of mine. She wrote the co-parenting handbook. She wrote the co-parenting um, parenting plan guide. So I just want to honor and credit all the giants shoulders that we stand on. Mm-hmm. And Jen and I's world is really, I think our gift is creativity, making things uh, digestible and practical, breaking it down for parents. Um, so there's, you know, instead, I don't, I can't read a whole book right now, Brandon, but can you listen to a two minute video and do a one page worksheet? Mm. So digestible, Great. making it really digestible. So Jen and I sat down and in a matter of a few months, we wrote this whole thing, which we kind of look back and we're like, oh my gosh, like, how did we do that? But it's like when the juices come, when the creativity comes, you've got to just roll. It was just there. So, so tell us about kind of the content and the delivery method of the yeah. parent team model. Yeah. So we have parentteam, T-E-A-M.com. And there's a lot of freebie stuff, a blog, everything on there. But if a parent goes on there and clicks on online course, they can, it's $99 for the course, but they get a second login for free, which they can share with their co-parent and they log in, they get immediate access. It's for a lifetime. It never goes away because it's important when we're going through divorce that we can access these interventions later because it's so, I have, there's too much going on in my head right now. So they have a whole dashboard. They have their own login. It's all private. And there are six modules. And we start with, you know, parental coaching, parental mental health, checking in with you, we talk about that parent brain, spouse brain. We talk about that wise mind approach. And we talk about that backpack. Then we talk about how to talk to your kids about divorce. Then setting up two homes. Mm-hmm. And every module has two components. So it has a parenting component, which I lead. And then it has a financial component, which I think is really unique. I haven't seen that in other co-parenting courses where Jen has created tools to help guide co-parents through that financial lens. So you're getting both. You're getting the parenting lens, the financial lens. So one of my favorite tools that Jen has, I think is in the, it's in module one and it's write a breakup letter to yourself. Oh wow. She guides you on how do you break up with your old financial behaviors that you don't want to repeat post-divorce. And in a new relationship. So if you were always the spender or the debts or whatever, or you you led that way, or maybe you just got tangled up in your partner's like financial you know behaviors that you didn't agree with, write a breakup letter to yourself. And what's really neat is people send them to us for accountability. Oh, so we'll get emails to like hello at parentteam.com and they'll send them to us, which we just love staying connected with, you know, all of our families. So there's the online course with short videos, bite size, that goes along with the workbook curriculum. So people can really, you know, what I always say, we want education to be sticky, not just theoretical, but really something that we can 
invest in. And then is there also an option of working with you and Jen independent or only inside of a collaborative team? Yeah, we have, I mean, we have co-parents that we work with all over the US, Canada, parent teams, even in New Zealand. Um, So that's really neat. So yeah, I mean, I do co-parent coaching and counseling with many families Um, We also train other practitioners to do this work. So that's our goal is to reach, 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 reach all these families. So there's the online course. The workbook comes with the online course. They can download it. They can also just buy the workbook on Amazon Um, and and they can work with us. They can work with the parent team coach. So we're in the process of having, you know, training other coaches to be able to do this work. Um, but it's a step-by-step training and a, you know, kind of like a six month training that we're developing to be able to have other practitioners do this work from this same framework, attachment, trauma lens, like all of those pieces. Beautiful. Is there a family that comes to mind that you have seen from beginning to post-divorce who you have led through much of this process and, and how it has transformed their experience? Yeah. I think one is looking at just such a I don't know if dramatic is the right word, but such a shift in their lens through doing this work. So when I have a collaborative, you know, collaborative clients come to us for a case, or I have co-parenting counseling, I do ask them to do the course first. One, it's just financially, it's, it's a lot cheaper, you know, it ends up being like 48 bucks for each of them to take the course, build a common language and framework, make sure they like my approach before they hire me. Cause mm-hmm. I might not be your person, you know, I'm through the lens of your kid and I'm really clear, very compassionate, but I, you know, I've, I have a family that I think of where one parent came in and was pretty much like, I want, you know, we don't really use custody. We don't use that word, but like, I want all parenting time. Cause my other, my co-parent can't do it. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, some people might say, well, then collaborative is not a fit, right? Because it's all built on being able to like find the third way and all of that. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna work with that and move into that and try to find out what's up, right? What's going on? And I just look, if I were to look at 30,000 foot view of this family, they went from one parent being like, they're not capable, they can't do this, a lot of anger, a lot of rage, starting the process of grief to walking through a parenting plan with shared parenting time that grew, I call them scaffolded plans. So the the way it looks right now is not the way it looks next year or in two years. As your child grows developmentally, we want to follow your child and build a customized fit for your kid, right? So a scaffolded parenting plan. If a parent has addiction or mental health needs, we do what's called an insert plan. We insert an additional plan around those needs. So a child does not lose access to their parent. We need to keep them safe and we need the functioning of the parent to increase, but we don't slap their hand. So we had a scaffolded plan with this family and now they're post-divorce. They meet with me once a month and their ability from when they were in that spouse mind that ex-spouse mind and all the anger and all the marital dynamic and getting in that cycle, their ability to understand, learn, build skills and tools, be able to cope through this, own their own stuff. Their ability to do that is now they're in my office once a month. They're having extremely respectful conversations. They're in their parent mind. 
and they're able to walk through the needs of their children, put them first. And that's pretty significant to me as the person guiding them because of where they were. I mean, it was like fighting high conflict. I want the kids full time, all of this. You can't do it to, okay, well, what do you think? Do you think they should be able to drive to you know, this town or whatever, and being able to make these collaborative decisions about their children. And it's like, I don't meet the kids, our child specialist does, but I always see the kids in my brain. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, yes. Right. Where these kiddos are going to be okay. Their parents are doing the good work. They did a good divorce. And that's right. And it is one of the options. Out of curiosity, how long were you working with that couple? Like from the beginning, high conflict to other side of divorce and now them continuing work with you? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say their process was about a six-month process from when I did my first intake with them to signatures on their divorce mm-hmm. decree. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I, I meet my goal is to work myself out of a job, but I find that families need support. So I meet with them once a month until they don't need me anymore. Absolutely. And again, this idea that getting divorce is, is one piece. It's that's just the one legal action, but this whole journey of being divorced, renovating the relationship, figuring out what the new co-parenting world looks like, shift of mind, going through grief, it it's quite extensive. And, and I think people underplay the journey. It isn't a one and done day. Right. <laughs> We've signed our papers and now we're done. That's the beginning of the That's next the chapter. Yeah, yes, yeah absolutely. absolutely. Well, and speaking of beginning in terms of the parent team curriculum, the workbook, it's also somewhat, how, how many years has it been available now? When did you? We, I think in December, it'll be three years. So we're still pretty new. I would yeah. Say. <laughs> But there are big plans and ambitions and many things already being implemented in terms of where this curriculum and this family support can happen. What is happening on the pioneering front? Yeah, thank you for asking. I think, you know, we thought it would be a lot of direct to parents, which it is. Parents can find us on the internet and everything like that. But we also have, we have a law firm um, in another state that is, has a contract with us to gift this to every new family law client they have come in. Like that's amazing. That's just we included have, in the package. If you work with our package. law firm, you do this six module right. curriculum. It will make your journey better. And it mm-hmm. makes their life, you, you know, oh, absolutely. Like, this makes us, it helps with the conflict. So there's those types of pieces. There's mental health clinics. Their practitioners are getting trained in this work and being able to do that. We just have a contract with the state of Idaho, with the Idaho, um, the Children's Resiliency Project. So implementing this into their system as well. And then, for example, here at Montana State University, we they've adopted this as their curriculum for their parenting through divorce class. Um, and then the really exciting part, because I'm a little bit of a geek, is we're going to do a quantitative research study and follow families and collect that data. To really see, you know, you build something and you really want to help families. And we we would love to have that data to be able to show that this works. It helps. It helps to reduce conflict and it helps families to go off on a, you know, a different path and a more functional path as co-parents. Oh, it's so exciting. And I know that it radiates throughout society 
right? What's happening at the dining room table goes to work at the desk and vice versa. But we we continue to see divorce in our culture at very high rates. And I feel like there is a new movement in the last decade or so of lots of practitioners, just like yourself and your team members who are saying, we can do this differently and we need to do it differently. And that it isn't divorce in and of itself that traumatizes and causes destruction in families. It's bad behavior between adults that causes long lasting trauma and destruction. Mm -hmm. So let's get people the tools that they need. And if you're sitting there thinking, oh, I wish I would have known better. Oh, I wish I would have done it different. It's not too late. And, And you talk about really the importance of identifying for ourself, that divorce is something that can be transformative, even in its pain. What would you say to our listeners as we wrap up today that would would be a nugget of wisdom to help give them some support and agency in their journey? It's hard. And I know this from personal experience and as a professional in the field, but taking a pause, right? And just pausing and being able to put the mirror up in front of our face. And when we can get in that place of accountability, that's where we can step into making changes in our life and really changing our lives versus that victimization and life is happening to me. This divorce is happening to me. And you might not have a choice. You might, it might've come out of the blue and your spouse came home and was like, I'm done. And I hold space for that. But if we sit in sort of that space forever, right? In that part, we get stuck. We can get stuck in that grieving process. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the only way to the other side is to walk through. And yes. part of walking through is looking at ourselves and going, what am I accountable for in this relationship, in this marriage, in this breakup? Mm-hmm. What can I own? Is then we can make changes and a beautiful tool for that um, conscious uncoupling work, you know, whether it's the formal conscious uncoupling, the book that was written by um, Woodward Thomas, she, Catherine Woodward Thomas, or it's, you know, a coach or a guide walking people through that. I have seen a dramatic change in many of the people that I work with when they own it and they're able to go, okay, here's how I showed up or here's how I didn't show up. And I can, I can make those changes for my future, for myself and healing. And then if they want to repartner in the future, that can look so different for them in a healthy That's way. That's right. Let the divorce experience be a classroom so that new habits are made, not old patterns repeated, right. and that a new best version of yourself can show up in your life as you live your best self. Brandon Rourke Kyrus, just outstanding conversation today. Mm-hmm. I, I We're probably going to have to have you back on the show because oh, there's fun. so many I more things um, chatting today with Brandon um, out of Western Montana mental health field for over 21 years as a licensed clinical mental health therapist and is a trained mediator and uh, accredited as a mental health neutral professional in the collaborative divorce process. Where can we find you online and these resources? Yeah. So my um, parent team, so www.parentteam.com, you can find us there. Uh, and also just my first name, Brandon, B-R-A-N-D-Y-N at parentteam.com or hello at parentteam.com. 
And then my clinical practice is Mind Matters BRC, initials B as in boy, RC. That's my clinical practice website as well. So great. And we'll have all of that information in the show notes as well for our listeners to find you and to also pass this podcast episode on to those that might really benefit from what Brandon has shared with us today. And to all of you out there, thank you for joining us. And remember, everything will be okay in the end. And if it's not okay, it's not the end. Thanks for listening to today's episode of The Good Divorce Show. We hope today's episode has helped you find a kinder, more sensible, and less expensive path through the divorce journey. Until we talk again, have a beautiful week.